Is data now a weapon? Is it the way forward? Is data a window into our future? Is it the new oil? Is data a geopolitical game changer? Is it a friend or foe to American democracy? How do we know? How do we know anything? Welcome to Data Reveal. Welcome to the Data Reveal podcast, once again, co-hosted by Mark Fideli and today, Andrew Churchill. Unfortunately, Courtney Hastings is unavailable, but we have a special guest that Courtney knows well, that we all know well here at Click, our dear friend, Mark Mearsman of IPC Global. Mark, welcome. So I think the first thing we want to talk about, of course, IPC has been around doing data stuff as the only two-time partner of the year. And you've built a brand on doing analytics in a way that is really unique in our space. And having had the opportunity to see what you've been able to do in commercial and state and local now in in the federal community where Andrew and I uh, spend our days, it's been really impressive to learn what our own products do in your skillful hands and those of your team. But how did we get here, right? Like, obviously, we could make this a big click commercial because you've made it really amazing in use cases related to research and national security and medical and COVID sort of public information and and other things. So, Mark, it's interesting that you've made a big bet, as you mentioned, on Click plus AWS and AWS, Amazon Web Services, for those who don't know, which I can't imagine who wouldn't know in the data space, you know, they've built a cloud platform that is second to none, that is becoming one of the, you know, proverbial 800-pound gorillas in the data space and in the GovCloud world of, of the federal space, you know, is, is gobbling up applications and data across federal agencies. So you've been partnering with Click and AWS long before your entree into federal. What led you to sort of bet big on AWS and what have you learned or what is your prognostication, if I will, let's let's forecast a little bit, of just what kind of new use cases and examples of, of, of the use of data are now possible because you have this massive infrastructure provider in AWS and, and to secondary degree, Azure much more than Google Cloud and Federal, uh, of course, but you get the point, cloud native applications are where it's at now. How, how have you chosen to make such a big bet on on AWS and what was the the logic that went into that? Well, let me answer that in two ways. I would say uh, in a very bold way that the market is following Click and AWS. Click from a complete technology, complete platform, one platform, one solution for all of my data, data management, data integration, analytics, machine learning, mobile embedded reporting capabilities. You guys have covered the gamut. When I look at the other tools out there, and I call them tools because you got to cobble them together to to make them work. And that means I have to have multiple people and and, and multiple skill sets and all this. Click has done a beautiful job leading the market that way. And then leveraging the power of AWS, whether that's under your Click SaaS platform, which it is, or uh, providing and integrating with its services, whether that's you know, we use Comprehend and we use Jupyter Notebooks uh, and we use the IoT services, which is great. So we can pull information off of devices. 
And so what I mean by that is AWS has been incredibly inventive, hence their name of their conference for reInvent, as well as Click and leading the market uh, by either developing and or acquiring these types of things. And so when we are proposed a problem, now getting back to your question is, we are listening to uh, the modernization needs of people like, listen, I've been doing this or doing this and or whatnot. And we can say, okay, here's, here's, a better, here's a better way to solve for that, a modern way to solve for that. And thus, what are we doing? We are leveraging technology, good to great. Let's leverage technology, right? We're leveraging technologies to increase revenue, lower costs, uh, accuracy, completeness, and timeliness of information. And we're not doing it. You know, there's a, you guys are old enough to remember that thing out there called triptychs, right? We used to take a trip. You know, you used to call AAA and get a triptychs, right? You know, to me, that's what the BI tools are today. So Click is not a BI tool. It's a data integration analytics platform that's more like Waze. Like it's asking you, it's recalculating on the fly. It's saying, what time are you leaving for the airport? And I'll give you an AI estimate on what it takes to get there. That's not a dashboard. That's not triptychs. We are not a BI uh, technology. We are an active intelligence solution. And that's what I love about it. So when I'm listening to customers, again, back to your question, I'm like, what are they trying to solve for? And sometimes they have to describe it in the old way, which is fine. But we're able to reinvent them in a new way, leveraging leveraging Click and AWS, and that's what makes it so fun. I mean, I love what I do every day uh, with regard to, to that. Yeah, old way versus new way. You're really getting at at what I'm what I'm driving at is is I mean, when I study what AWS is doing, the investments that, that they're making in being a one stop shop for for so many different data requirements, storing, uh, translating. That's well, it's being rewarded by that's where the data is going. So, Andrew, when you think of the new way, I love Waze as an example. And we've had Jerry Simpson at Atlas Up. He he has used that too. We talked about it in a meeting yesterday. That's the third time recently that the, the idea of using data in a Waze-like format to just get me to where I want to go. I don't need to know all the how. I just need to know, you know where to go. I do think it's as simple as that. That is the new way. Andrew, how do you feel about ways being a, a way to describe the new the new approach to data, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I like it. And, you know, the thing that, you know, Mark, that I would draw in terms of that is you ordered the triptychs for the big, for your summer road trip. You know, we loaded up the uh, Chevy Caprice Classic with, uh, you know, wood paneling on the side. My mom with the triptychs loaded into the center console as the chief navigator and my dad at the helm, me and my brothers attempting not to uh, beat each other up. But they were for special occasions, and so was old BI. It was served a small number of people and for a small number of use cases because it was difficult. And, you know, I put ways on everywhere I go. Yeah. You know, I live in an area with a lot of traffic. You know, what's the corollary there? Our customers operate in in an environment that has a lot of changes, a lot of curveballs. And so Waze is a perfect way to describe the new thing because it's used by everybody in a lot more instances, and it helps them navigate through the complexity that their business or their mission in terms of uh, federal government has become. That's right. And then with that, scenario we can play on a little bit further is people have been able to innovate on top of that. For example, 
Hey, it's approaching noon. We're going to start recommending restaurants. Hey, your car through CarPlay is saying you're getting low on gas. We're going to recommend some gas stations along the way. Whatever it might. Hey, I noticed you you bought a big you know thing of water a couple hours ago. You're probably looking for a bathroom along the way. These are just fun things that are very much in reach of integrated data and analytics. And that's the beauty of the patented associative data model of Click is I can start just pulling this stuff in at the speed of thought. And another thing is Click is so fast that we have been accustomed to throw away BI. I mean, I can create it, innovate it, and okay, then we'll try again, try again. There's no penalty or a low penalty to cost to try with the Click platform. All these other tools, man, you better be right on whatever you're building because that's the end of the game, end of the road when you get there. And Click is beautifully orchestrated to do that for a customer and ultimately publish it to the users who, who need it. Mark, I love that you know uh, point that you make there. I've told this story since this one deputy CIO over at DOJ made this comment to us probably three, four, maybe four plus years ago, which was click as an analytics tool. Once I've got the data in there is like my whiteboard. You know, I can, I can, mm. I can communicate information. And when I don't get it right, you know, I don't have to go back and rebuild the whiteboard, you know, the data, the model underneath that investment is made, the connections are there. And, you know, it really helps drive innovation, both at the development level, you know, and at the consumption. level. For sure. So, Mark, one of the things that this has helped you do personally, professionally, even politically, in a sense, you're now on TV. <laughs> so some of some of the, the listeners sure. who maybe aren't in the, um, the D.C. area, but in, in your neck of the woods near Atlanta, can look you up and they'll they'll see that you've been a TV personality. How has that uh, transition gone for you? What what's that like? Are, do you people recognize you on the streets yet, or like do you have to use ways to get around populated areas, or what? Like what's what's life like now? <laughs> yeah, no, it it definitely. I have had folks approach me, most of them in in our community, but those that maybe I didn't know well, and hey, I saw you on TV which is kind of fun, but was really interesting just being, again, a lifelong data analytics guy. I'm sitting there looking to these uh, on the news, like all of us was, especially uh, in March 20 when COVID was rolling out. And I'm like, what are they doing? They're doing a horrible job communicating the reality of this disease. And moreover, they're big in these big red bubbles that scare the heck out of their audience, of course, that uh, like a bomb had hit you know, greater Atlanta or DC or something, God forbid. But so my point being is I looked at that going, well, wait a minute, we tell stories with data all the time and let's do that. And then that we did, we started loading the Johns Hopkins and the Department of Health and and the CDC uh, data and ultimately the school data because we're reopening schools. We started loading all this data, associating it, as I said, with, with the Click platform and then publishing it out there. And that really got, the locals interested. And thus, I, I think a dozen more times on the news being interviewed about what was happening, A, with you know the local areas where uh, it was happening. And so I used data to inform the community here, but we published it. So we had thousands and thousands of hits you know, around the nation. Some people internationally, we could track you know where their IPs were coming in from. And uh, they were saying, what's happening with, with COVID? And, and that in and of itself 
actually showed people a, a new and a better way, an appropriate way to use data to be informed locally and where it was happening, why it was happening, what age groups it was happening in. And hopefully for some, removing the fear that was instilled in all of us naturally at first, but as we all were informed, we could change that. And I did that on the news, which was, which was really amazing. Then, of course, we went spotlight for the nation with the, the Georgia elections, and we were publishing a whole bunch of uh, public information. You guys all know almost all your states have a ton of public information on voting. So we just got smart enough to start loading that and informing people about the election and the runoff and things like that, and, and very active associated with that, at least from a public data standpoint. And, and that was quite useful for those that wanted to be informed you know, with the raw, from the raw data to analytics. So Mark, you mentioned transparency a little bit about sort of the COVID data, you know, the web pages that you provided data for out to the public, and then you were doing data analytics on the back end, and you mentioned reducing fear. I know you, you've had involvement in data about locations, different age groups and age brackets. Walk us through what you saw, especially the early days of the pandemic, and how was it that the visibility the data provided could reduce fear about what was going on? And maybe even within different demographics, I think you mentioned in the past, like students. Talk through that a little bit. I'm fascinated at how data can reduce fear. And COVID is probably as good of an example as any. Yeah. So the majority, within like two standard deviations of the population, that majority of the population would, could, and should be able to leverage the data we publish and to be able to then rationalize something. And one of the things that our national news did for us, they talked about things nationally, but one of the things we did is we provided the national, state, local data. And so about whether it, the number of cases, deaths, hospitalizations, whether it's being about different age groups, maybe less so about demographics, but at that time at least, and uh, what was neat about it is when I called my siblings up in St. Louis, I could talk about their county and they're talking about, well, what's happening there? And we could literally talk about what the difference is there. And my folks down in in, uh, in Florida, we could talk about, well, this is what's happening they're living, where they're living. And, and we could see that literally day by day, week over week, what was happening going up and down, thus being, and thus we're in different age populations. My siblings and I all have kids. And so now we're talking about, well, what's happening in our schools? And we could see what's happening in the counties. As I said, maybe earlier, we, we brought in data from the Department of Health and it had the social determinants of health in there. So we overlaid hmm. the social determinants of health the number of cases and where the schools are located. And so we could work with superintendents kind of to have a conversation about what's going on. You know, when they communicated with us as families, um, did we know that area within their county, certain areas, English was, you know, a second mm -hmm. language. It was less prominent or the amount of transportation. So when they communicated out, did they do that bilingually? Uh, when they organized their transportation to get kids to school? Did they send more buses to those areas that transportation mm. was less available? This was easy data to get to, and but it needed to be associated with, again, the COVID data, social vulnerabilities of health, and the school data. And uh, again, Click uh, allowed us to do that very gracefully and, and very fast um, and make that available uh, 
to, to the nation. We did that for the whole nation. We were on the news here locally. But That's wonderful. So you mentioned like rationalizing different things and I, you, maybe you're stepping around it, but even like whether to vaccinate or not, was it, or did people use it to make those decisions or is it more public policy decisions that were, were being driven by that data? Like, did you have to get pulled into the political at the sort of vaccination level and then at the how do we spend our money in response level? Like, were you getting those kinds of phone calls in the middle of the process? So it was very tactical mm -hmm. with regards to uh, implementing, as I said, transportation or communication or decision making, because we've got some folks, superintendents, let's say, or otherwise in some pretty hot seats and they just can't give their audience a uh, their constituents an answer a, a, a one word answer they right. need to have some rationale behind it and so the data really would help them you know with regards to you know should they have an extended spring break because the cases are going up or down should we bring them back early should we extend school should we do this this may and should been able to help them drive that type of decision and, and communicate with some level of confidence yeah. how they might might proceed. And that's where we were brought into as it relates to, to vaccinations, less so it was it was later uh, in that. Uh, right. yeah, I think it is a, a relevant statement. And yeah. it still is. I, I look forward to more research that we're involved with, by the way, with yeah. click leveraging click uh, research on what did that mean? Was that a good or, or not good exercise? And where was it good or not good? So. That's good. Well, back to ways, right? Like, what to do at these different junctures with the data you have about transportation, about, you know, these tactical level local decisions. I mean, that back to the big theme, right? Like that's the new way of using data. That's the more modernized way. You're not just like one size fits all. Here's the answer. You're interacting with the dynamic world. So one more sort of big question. And then I, I want to give you time to talk about cool things that you're working on, because I love how innovative you are. And this, this sort of is a bridge question about culture. Local cultures, local food, local environments have different data needs because for every reason we've talked about, right, like transportation, the schools, the people around you, you're asking different questions, you're thinking different thoughts, you're dealing with the weather, dealing with, you know, whatever problems it, supply chains right now. But there is also this national thing, right? So so as you guys look at your local distribution of your workforce, and now you're sort of engaged now a little bit more at the local level, I mean, excuse me, at the federal level, local for us up here in DC, what's changing about your own culture, right? Like as, as IPC is evolving from what you originally were, and now you're getting into these sort of national level problems that have this local flavor. How has that evolved your company? How has it evolved the culture, the people you work with? What's that as, as the head of the company? What does that look like for you now that you're dealing with this level of problems? Yeah, it's been so great. Andrew Churchill here a number of times has just been so validating and ultimately the customers for sure have been so validating on what we're doing. So there was a term that we use, and it's still true today, called breakthroughs. And uh, these are things that people have been really trying to solve for and get past these things around their neck, to get past these, these heavy weights of, of old ways to, to new ways. Modernization, I'd like to use it in this context of how to answer your question. And so how IPC Global has found itself is truly 
uh, innovating and modernizing in the true sense of the word. And how we do that is really interesting. I read this book over break here. It was called Quiet. And it's a book about uh, introverts. And I, it might be funny on this podcast, but I, I, I'm, I am an introvert. And, and it, those hmm. that, that highlighted the, the Bill Gates of the world and whatnot, they do a lot of reflecting and thinking. And I, what I found when I read the book and I was looking around my colleagues that, that I hired over these years, a lot of them are really thoughtful people. They give the customer the floor to speak. And some of it is here and there, but a lot of it is really the, the problem at hand. And they are harnessed with the old way. And so when we put our company companies together, gosh, I don't know, 15 years ago or something, well, one of the things they had us write down is our, our core values. And oddly enough, the, the first or interest is the first word that we chose for values is humility. And I'd like to expound on that because I think it's important the way that people would understand our firm. Humble people, of course, um, are introspective. They're like, gosh, can I be better and all that type, type stuff, which is true. But humble people actually are, are great listeners. And they also do a great job in listening, finding the best of the people and the processes and, and the best of, in this case, our, our customers and what they're doing. And you literally lift them up. So all boats will rise with humility. And so what we find is that aspect, when you give them the floor, you actively engage and you find the, the root causes there and then you solve for that. And often we leverage things they have already, and, and but we create all th new things, uh, leveraging Click and, and AWS to, to do that. I don't share with you earlier, but I came uh, very early. The first part of my career was with, with Price Waterhouse uh, Consulting, Management Consulting Services. And what I loved about them is the starch shirts, the ties, the and then ultimately the professionalism, which they addressed people and, and their deliverables. So I brought that and that's the second core value of our firm is, is uh, professionalism. And we try to mirror that in, in all that we do. There's other aspects of integrity, loyalty, and, and family. The last one I'll speak on is, is family. We um, have this motto, customers for life. And these people that we engage, as I said, the warning, they're still customers today. And, and they're customers because they're friends. We know their business inside and out. We, we have this institutional knowledge. And that's true for so many of our customers. They, they value that, that we're quite intimate like a family is. And we make mistakes, but we're also as a family forgiven and move on and make up for that, uh, of course. So uh, that's a long-winded answer to a little bit of the culture no, great. at IPC Global that we developed. And then maybe, you know, one of the things in Good to Great, it says, do you know, the, the stop doing list. So one of the things that we, mm. in partnership with you all, is we just stop doing other things. And we're very much, uh, very intentional on the work that we do in the industries like your fad and sled and healthcare and, and others that we, we work in, very intentional there. And uh, that allows us to not take on some stuff that, that we could get distracted distracted with. Yeah, no, it just makes me think of our last podcast with uh, our, our guest, Alan Stein, who I've known since you know we were basketball teammates. He talked a lot about servant leadership and this is a great theme as we get into sort of this season of the podcast. And I think there's no question that breakthroughs 
don't just happen because you have the big personality who's super smart. But to put that into a culture of listening and helping reduce customer burdens, that's a real unique way of describing solving problems because it is personal for customers, right? No one's going to yeah. sort of deny that. But putting that into the professionalism that you talked about, the professionalism of you know one of the world's best consulting firms, and there's quite a few like that, I think that's the kind of answer to my question. Like, I'm always thinking if local and sort of this area of Washington where I live, where I'm a local Washingtonian and have been my whole life, if you could combine sort of national and local, I think you get something special and you, you hit on it. Andrew, you haven't lived in D.C. your whole life. You've lived in a couple other places, Rochester and Wisconsin, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Places that Lake Wobegon isn't like, oh, that's, uh, you know, the radio. That's actually like a way of life for lots of parts of the country, right, is keep it simple, keep it local. That's that's trusted. So I think data can do that, right? Data can bridge the gap between you know, the big picture national problems and the more local flavored solutions like Mark's talking about. I really agree. And I, and it, one, it, it helps make sense, some of those differences. And uh, I think, you know, we talking about understanding people, you know, one of the areas where, and you were, you were talking about Mark's company and the workforce. I think one of the areas where, where data is really coming in to its own is in that you know, personnel and workforce management. You know, we, this, this last chapter of our lives through the pandemic has changed so much about how people want to work and how employers are expecting them to work. And you know, it, you know, data is at the center of, of really understanding how do I hire, retain, train the best people to do the job that my, my company needs to do. And you know, I think it, it really is just a, a, a great example of exactly what you're talking about there, Marcus. Uh, people are different across different places. And yeah, and that's like, yeah, that, and it leads to, I mean, it's, it's funny. And, and as this is, I'm going to throw this back to you, Mark, after this thought. I, I'm, you know, whenever I'm listening on these podcasts, I'm taking notes and I don't know what, what the thoughts are that are going to go through my head. So I don't even try to plan. But you, we hear this word hyperscaler in reference to AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, even like Databricks and Snowflake and these other sort of cloud native big data applications environments. So hyperscale is the equivalent of sort of national, global, fast. But now we're talking about local insights, local questions, things that make people different locally. We have this really unique moment in time where hyperscale is unleashed, but all data being local or all questions being local, if you will, or at least the ones that probably matter most is very much not hyperscale. But when you can combine those, Mark Mearsman, I think those breakthroughs are really the things that, that you wouldn't expect, right? This idea of ways for decision-making is a breakthrough, right? Getting that done, it's going to take time. But just the fact that we could do that with data, overcoming sort of fear about things like the pandemic or even elections using data, now that you've sort of gone through this cycle gotten, hopefully, you know, all of us gotten on the other end of most of the pandemic uh, challenges, although one of our colleagues has a bad case of COVID right now. So we're, we know we're mindful and we're not there. But Mark, what are some breakthroughs that you're looking forward to? And if you look at your to-do list or, or like you said, not to-do list, if you could invest, you know, more time and effort on 
one thing than, than any other, or maybe a few things, what are some of the cool things that you'd want to spend time on? What kind of breakthroughs do you think are attainable, specifically at like the local level, right? Where, where maybe people aren't thinking about that because they're thinking too hyper, too scale, too meta, too national. You want to speak to that at all? Yeah. But interesting, as you, as you introduce the, the hyper scale capabilities and whatnot, to me, that, that's just another dimension of what's available. Because remember, technology is there to be leveraged, right? So I, I see that as, oh, I may leverage that, I, I may not. Of course, we will, but as mm-hmm. an, an appropriate. But local um, That's means good. really, I, I think we start with data literacy. You know, let, where are these folks? You know, are we starting with people that do PDF and Excel? Are we working with an inquisitive group? Are we working with a group that is well worn in their role or 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 new and and new in these particular roles? So where are they? from a literacy standpoint in context, whether that's supply chain or, or healthcare operations or healthcare finance or uh, you name it. So I see the understanding where, where they're at. It, it, I think that's what really helps define local and they would define then the bounds. And, and then we can help them think beyond the bounds. And I'll give you a simple school example when, you know, let's say that we are in Muskegee or, or Wisconsin or somewhere, and, and we're, we're talking with them about getting their uh, students who have had some setbacks, for sure, all of them did. How do we get them back to par, get them back to at level or where each of them should be? And there's, there's new tactics associated with that, not just at the school level, not just at the classroom level, but at the, at the student level. And, and we can see that the data there is, is very visible. And now imagine, you know, we have the ability at the student level within the classroom, within the school building, within the district, being able to understand and, and, and adapt to them and use that to communicate if there is a gap or not and, and how, what techniques we can use to, to close that gap. Mm-hmm. And then we can have fun fun with it as well. Uh, so just using that same example, I don't know if, if you guys do that fantasy football uh, thing. My son had kind of got me into it a little bit, but I thought it was really interesting, you know, uh, picking players and, and and having that, you know, all of a sudden now you're you're kind of getting behind your your fantasy team and whatnot. And I'm like, you know, what's really interesting about that as as a parent. My kids are old enough. Maybe grandparent here someday is <laughs> is wouldn't it be great that you know my grandkids are my fantasy team and I pick them and I want to know that they mm. made this number of school days and I want to know that they got you know whatever on their quizzes or whatever on whatever challenge they are having at school and all of a sudden now you know my grandkids are are on my fantasy team and I'm I'm talking to them about that that's totally achievable with data who doesn't want, you know, they want us to be on the sidelines for their soccer, but why wouldn't, why wouldn't be on the sidelines for their math or history as well and, and rooting them on with, with data? That's awesome. So I, I'd use that as a, a, a real way, uh, not real because it's not implemented, but for those right. who wanted to innovate, I guess is my point, and use mechanisms that we're all familiar with. So. That's great. So I, I'm going to just sort of say that in, in my words as I'm listening, because I think you were doing sort of the one of these, con- and this is one of the things I've learned as a consultant, convergence and divergence, right? First, you take a problem, you diverge away, you go out, all possible solutions, and then you come back and converge. So if ways 
for the student success journey is like what we're shooting for, then the data that's available now on like the gaps in someone's process on their journey, like things that limit their success, if that data is, is available, knowable, can be associated with other data, then that actually creates the efficiency of closing the gaps where you can recommend like, hey, we need to give an intervention here. We need some tutoring. We need to give an intervention here. This person has been struggling with the same Spanish quiz or, you know, some second language issue. And it's it's like a set of fundamentals that they need to just drill on. And if you were at a high-level athlete, as we talked about last time, you would have high-performance sort of coaching to get you, you know, working on your left hand in basketball or your fadeaway jumper or your defensive position or core strength. There's these interventions. So if you use ways to map out the student success journey and you find gaps, you can allocate money to do interventions at this sort of tactical level. And then hyperscale is you can make that available for anybody to, to pay into, right? Like that's an interest. I've never heard that. I'm just, I'm literally now converging back to what this means. And if I'm a fantasy team owner and I have a bunch of students and I'm investing to fill those gaps and I have statistics coming back at me, like we have, you know, wins above replacement. I don't know what the corollary is for students. It seems like you just need some folks in our government who do have a broad view to pull that kind of information together, or at least go gather it and say, okay, the tools are there. We can actually map out ways to reduce spending by being surgical in where we in, in, inject these interventions and then use federal funding to program those interventions. And now we have hyperscalers everywhere to pull data up and then localize it, right? So again, I'm just trying to regurgitate in some, I don't know, I think like a, a federal requirements officer would take that and say, okay, there's seven bullets where I can create a federal program for researching that, right? But Mark, I think what you're saying is that's a breakthrough. That's doable. The pieces are there. We just need some creative thinking, some forward lean, some boldness, no fear, right? And quickly learning, like we've talked about at the top, to get that done. And that's, I guess that's what in-process research, in-process consulting is, right? Yeah, for sure. And to put it in context, I, I didn't mean to suggest uh, no fear, but our fear can be within the context of, of our, our knowledge. And, and thus, mm. we're able to control that and rationalize that. You know, what I love about Click is, is it gives us this whole peripheral view of information. So I, I can see what's there and associated, and I can see what's not there. Where did that go? You know, did, did anybody ever tell us as it relates to the different phases of this virus, what happened to those age groups? And wouldn't it have been nice for them to tell us while here in the state of Georgia, we lost seven children, unfortunately, uh, in the first two waves, we didn't lose any more in the second and third. Wouldn't it have been nice to tell our families that? Oh, that's good. That's good. So I, I, my, my point being is this whole transparency, and you wouldn't see that with a query tool. Uh, you need that with an associative thing. You know, we do a lot of detection, accountability, transparency. We get behind these these various roles that people play in our departments or agencies that they're trying to solve for. You know, we can take the the work that people do and amplify it. You know, an order of magnitude, the amount that they can achieve. 
by leveraging you know, technology such as Click and, and these other things you spoke of, scalability we may need at times. Yeah, that's great. Well, Mark, I think that's a great place to end is, is these tools allow people to communicate good news stories. And boy, we need more of them. So thank you for that. Andrew, closing thoughts. I know you're listening carefully and, and I've been talking a lot and, and probing these questions to try to get this ways for something. Now we have student success journey. Take us home. I, I, the only thing I'll say, Mark, is Mark Fideli, is that Mark Mearsman and his company are a data good story. That's great. You all do great work. You're tremendous, thoughtful innovators across multiple markets now. And I, I think that is the hallmark of real data genius is the ability for you all to traverse healthcare and government and manufacturing and IT and services and bring value and innovation. And you really, do, the innovation that we've worked on together here in our market segment is really over the top. I mean, it's, it, I hate the phrase out of the box, but uh, it truly has been outside the box uh, for some yeah. of the things we've had the opportunity to do. So it's a pleasure to be talking to you today and just working with you and your team. Thanks so much. Couldn't agree more. And building on that every day has been a humbling experience to see such professionalism. So thank you for that. And uh, we're we're excited to see our friends from down south have such an impact on our nation's capital while also doing the same in your state capital. So thank you for your service to the country, to Georgians, and um, we wish you well and look forward to having you back sometime, hopefully in the near future, hearing more good stories about breakthroughs. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Be well. Take care.